we come this morning to open your word and to share together, we ask that through your Holy Spirit you will uh, speak to us as we uh, read the Scripture, but as as we share the Scripture together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together. Opening your word, we ask that you would, through your Spirit again, that you would set all things aside that would distract us, that we might concentrate, focus, and draw close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. morning, I, I guess you might say I'm taking a step backwards a little bit in the sense of uh, where we've been through Matthew. And uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a way of putting it, but just in a sense giving you a summary of what I have been coming through in the last few uh, weeks of the messages, uh, going back to the Sermon on the Mount and then in uh, chapter 8, and, and we're looking at the last two verses of chapter 7 of Matthew. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, we've already preached the message on that in reference to his authority. Jesus was talking so many different things he said through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes, describing what it is to become one who seeks and hungers and thirsts after the Lord. Uh, uh, And then going and saying in his teachings, you have been told, but I say, very much declaring that what he says is something that that is is direct, and and that's in fact what amazed them. You know, he's not teaching like the scribes. The scribes are always quoting people and whatever. And he says, now Jesus is saying, the scribes have taught you this, but I say. And, and he didn't say the words as he says, I say, which was taking authority about his teaching. And they caught this. The, the crowd listened to this and they said he's teaching with such authority. He talks about a narrow gate and a narrow path. He's very specific about this. There is a narrow gate that leads to where I am and to, and to, to the kingdom of God. And, and, and it's a narrow path that, that you follow. And there's, there, there's a wide path that everybody gets, can get on. But there's a narrow path. And what you start to see in this is that there is a truth that you see that Jesus is talking about. And while we haven't used that word per se, uh, the truth about who Jesus is, uh, we've talked all around it and about it in some ways. And I just wanted to kind of summarize that this morning. Uh, John 18:38, and you're familiar with this passage. Uh, where Jesus is, is being uh, uh, interviewed, uh, if you will, uh, tried in the last sense of, 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 of who he is. But the Jews have turned him over to Pilate. And uh, he speaks of his kingdom and the fact that he is he's bearing out the truth of the kingdom of God. His kingdom is not of this earth, but, but you know, he's bringing them the truth. And Pilate says very simply, he says, what is truth? There are all sorts of, of commentary ideas about what Pilate was meaning. Was he being sarcastic? Was he being uh, unkind? Was he uh, possibly uh, reflecting the reality of the world that they were in at the time, which was 
quite candidly, very debatable about what truth was. There was all sorts of truth out there. There's the Greek truth, the Roman truth, the, the Asian truth. And the Roman Empire was encompassing a lot of those different truths to the point where the Roman Empire had, had basically said, as long as you will worship Caesar, you can believe any other truth, quote, you want. And so, Pilate says, what is truth? And that ends the discourse, the discussion. That's the end of it. And I was kind of, you know, as I was looking through different things and, and, and trying to, to how to put this together, because I'm looking at where we are today. And I think you could ask the same question as far as a non-believer goes, what is truth? And... Uh, I, I thought, well, I, I'm just going to plug into the Internet here. And, and uh, I first off, I, I typed in, what is truth? And in 0.38 seconds, I had 384 million results. Uh, not all of them dealing with pilots. Many of them initially dealing with pilot and the, the fact that that was a quote of Scripture. But going on with uh, several other descriptions, uh, I, I wrote truth and deception in point forty four zero seconds. I had three million six hundred thousand results, and you know, uh, I was uh, typed in. Then uh, who is telling the truth? You know, and uh, in five point five three seconds, I had twenty million nine hundred thousand results, uh, and most of them dealing with the truth that you are hearing this last week and the truth that you will be hearing this next week. And again, I put in quotation marks. Um, and realizing that you, you kind of look at it and, 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 and you think in terms of uh, how do you de- define truth as a, as a believer? And first off, I, I want to just give you this article that is not a Christian article. It just said, have you ever been challenged on if your version of right or wrong is correct? Have you ever questioned if you are too sensitive? Learning to know your truth, with a capital T, is one of the most important self-care tools on our life empowerment journey. In this class, you will take a deeper into your, look deeper into your healing by revealing what color lenses are in front of your eyes due to life's trauma. And how these lenses affect your decision-making skills. This is an excellent class on self-care and learning the secret of the secret tool that will keep you grounded in your healing, in spite of surrounding people, places, or things. It goes on to give you eleven things that are principles. I just want to, to you know, uh, you know, go through uh, the, the, the that. The last one, it says, right living principle. My perception may not be reality, but it's my truth. Therefore, I must make decisions based on my truth to find and keep myself on my path of healing. Right living tool, your truth. In this class, you will learn that people lie about things every day in order to evoke a better persona. It's important to be conscious of your perception because if you're not, someone else will create it for you. It's your life. You need to decide how you're going to live it. Now, that was just one of millions of, of ideas about truth. And as you look at that, you, you, 
I'm I'm sitting here thinking in my own terms. I'm saying, who am I to to, to, to say what truth is? Because I happen to know something about me. Well, so do you. Because I know it about you as well. Um, We all are fallen. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, those types of contexts. So we all understand the sin. But Paul made a very interesting statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, it's like we're looking into a mirror dimly. We just can't quite see it all. and, And there's a time where we will, but not right now. And I'm thinking, that's yeah, I get that. I I I I know that that's true, and, and I know that what Paul says in Philippians chapter three about I'm not, I haven't yet arrived. I am not a perfect person, and so I'm looking at and saying, who am I to you know presume to tell you what truth is? And it's one of those things where you say, oh yeah, but it's not the truth that I have that I want to tell you about. Hopefully I'm a success at this this morning. <laughs> that it's not me, but the Word of God as we look at it that gives us where we get our definition of truth. Going again to, to, to John in, the, in, in uh, chapter 18, just looking at where that Scripture occurs where Pilate asks what is truth, and putting it in the full context. Go back to verse 33 of John chapter 18. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, You say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And and then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? John is driven in in the Gospel of John, if you will, through, I believe, the inspiration of the Lord, but but driven to, to deal with this idea of Jesus Christ speaking the truth. In fact, maybe even more so than what we sometimes think. In the beginning, John writes, in the beginning, quoting right after Genesis in a sense. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that made that was made. He said that, he goes on and says that the light shines in the darkness, and that John the Baptist was making sure that they understood he wasn't the light, but that there was a true light that had come was coming had come into the world, and and uh, or John was was making sure we understood that, and 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 
It says in verse 14, and the Word, again, the Word was in the beginning, was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Word, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has seen, ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made Him known. Jesus came to reveal who the Father is. What He said to Pilate, I've come to bear the, the witness of the truth. Thinking of that, that, that one article that I, I looked at that I made some notes from through this morning off the internet and several others, basically the idea was in a general thinking and, and, and generally held perception seems to be that however we perceive something is our truth. In other words, there's the things that you believe in a certain way, a certain format, and, and, and you have a, a, a truth that is yours, and as long as your truth doesn't intrude on my truth, everything's okay. And uh, when it starts to to do that, is when we raise our hackles and 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 get vocal about it. But generally speaking, the idea is is that it, you know the question is is there a truth outside of my perception? And then I rewrote that. I said there is a truth outside my perception. Romans 1, 18 through 25 speaks very directly to that. Romans 1, 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling, resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, putting other things thoroughly ahead of God. Now again, keep that in mind as you say, Jesus is the Word become flesh and dwelt among us. He is the true light of the world. The writer to Hebrews describes Jesus in the very first verses of the of the book. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. 
After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Paul, writing to the Colossians, says something very similar. In Colossians chapter 1, starting with the 15th verse. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. God, Jesus, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God the Son comes into this world in the flesh to reveal the Father, to reveal the grace, to reveal the plan of salvation, and then do something about it. A plan before the beginning of of time put together on our behalf included the cross and Christ dying on that cross. He has said here in both uh, it is said both in Hebrews and Colossians that it it the, the everything is held together by Him, by, and I by His word is what what holds the universe together. Uh, there's there's some. I'm not a scientist, and, and, and some of you have had you know, physics and science and all those kinds of things that go with this. I could barely get through biology, uh, and that was 101. Uh, but, but, but the idea is, is that everything wants to come apart. I, and I got that far. And something is holding it together. And again, I, I've shared this before, but I look at the, at the top of this, this table here, and I look at it, and I'm thinking, there's, there's stuff in there moving. That mind boggles me, you know, mind boggling me. Just, you know, and, and, and what it wants to do is this, but it does this. And, and for me, I think it's solid. In fact, I use the phrase frequently solid wood or hard wood as compared to something that's manufactured and, 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 and pressed towards. Yeah. No. Uh, and, and, and this is teak, by the way. And, and, and it's a, it's, it's a, a, a really nice hard wood. And, and, and Using it, you know, you can oak, teak, uh, ash, uh, uh, hickory, some other woods. You start using it in your saw, and before long, you're replacing the blades. Where you know, uh, it's 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 amazing. But it's held together through Christ. The scripture even speaks to a, 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 a reality that, that we are aware of and we speak of, and I'm not going to go into any detail about it this morning because as we went through our series on a statement of faith and stuff, we talked about the, the authority of scripture, the inspiration of scripture. But just to that reminder that in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, at the end of the chapter, Paul writes that that the the script all scripture is good for re, you know teaching and building up and it's and it's inspired by God 
And Peter writes something very similar again in First Peter, uh, excuse me, First uh, uh, Peter chapter one, verses twenty to twenty-one, where he says it is God breathed. The word is God breathed. And so I'm sitting here looking at this and saying there is a truth outside of my perception, meaning that no matter what I think, here is truth. I I have come to the conclusion that that is true, not because it's my authority that makes it so, or my perception, but because it is and it's convinced me. And as I came into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I began to understand bits and pieces. I still see dimly, but I understand it is true. And the one thing it talks about is is that Jesus Christ and His plan of salvation, His grace, His mercy, His love, is all revealed here. The Gospels, the life of Christ, the epistles that explain how to take the life of Christ and apply it to day-by-day situations. Revelation that tells us that Christ is coming again in other places as well as in the epistles. And and the reality of, of who Christ is. And I'm thinking, you know, that's an awesome thing. Is there validity to this? Well, yeah, you can go back to the Old Testament, but it's written before the time of Christ on earth. And it talks about all the things that he was going to do. And in Christ they were fulfilled. And you can see the character of the Old Testament and you can see it all coming together that it's truth. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It is true. Jesus actually speaks again in the the Gospel of John Chapter 5, starting with verse 30, in reference to who He is and the reality of who He is. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. Now, what he's saying is is that it takes more than one witness, according to the law of of Israel, to speak something true. So he's saying, even as I bear witness of myself, that's not enough. But the plan that God has put together and everything he's done has taken care of that because there is another who uh, uh, who bears witness about me, And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Who is he speaking of? John the Baptist. He says, you sent to John and he was born witness to the the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his life. But the testimony that I gave, that I have, is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So this is what we've been talking about. His teachings in authority, his works now that he's doing, the miracles of healing a leper, uh, healing a Gentile servant, and and, uh, healing Peter's mom. And it goes on uh, further in chapter 8 and chapter 9, the healings that Jesus does, does, is showing his authority. 
And it says it bears witness about me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His, uh, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe that the one he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus is making it very clear that he is the person that the word of God is, is talking about. He has the authority. He has the uh, the the. He is the one who has is speaking for the, the, the for for the Father. His words are a witness. John the Baptist is a witness. His works are a witness. The, uh, the Father Himself is a witness to Him. The Word, the Scripture are a witness. And if you go on, you'll see that Moses and the Law are a witness as well. All of them point to Jesus Christ as the one who reveals the Father, the plan of salvation, and accomplishes the plan of salvation on the cross. But the most amazing part of this whole picture is what Jesus says to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. In John chapter 14, and I, 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 you know, the scripture that you're all so familiar with. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says he's the truth. Basically, what we're saying is that the truth is, 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 is a person. And in order to understand this, you need to accept that truth first. That Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Come to dwell amongst us. He is the Word. And, if, and, and to understand it, you must know him. So I think of, of, of where Paul writes to Timothy. He says, you know, you need to be sure that you're rightly, you want to be known as one who rightly divides the word of truth. How many of you uh, have, have been to Awanas or taught Awanas? Okay. A worker, not, uh, well, how does it go? A worker, uh, uh, yeah. Huh? Okay, I, I just trying to remember exactly how it went. Uh, but the idea of a worker is not ashamed uh, of the Word of God. He stands in it. And Awana is an acronym that comes out of that verse in the King James. And the idea is, is that here, here, this is something that we want to be able to read and rightly divide. I've mentioned to you a, a couple of times an acquaintance of mine uh, in Bible college. His name was Bob, a pastor in, the, in, a, in a church for over 20 years, got saved. And uh, also fired from his church uh, because he started preaching the gospel. And he started all over in Bible college. It amazed me because he had his master's degree in theology. Uh, I thought, well, why didn't you just go on and get your doctor's degree or something like that? He says, I needed to start over and, and start at the beginning and get it right. And, and, and what he was saying was, uh, I was handling this. And I'll tell you what, he could... He, he knew all the Greek. He knew he could he could read Greek and translate as he went. He was, you know, 
to, to sit in, 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 in Greek class with him just wasn't fair. You know, and when we finally got to the point in, in Greek where we had to uh, translate Third uh, John, you know, it was no effort on his part as part of a test. You know, uh, it, it, he knew how to do it. He knew the endings of the words. He knew how to parse the, the the words. He knew how to conjugate the verbs. He knew all of these things, and yet he, for twenty years, had been preaching and never knew Jesus Christ. When he found Christ as his Savior, he said. This all changed. And here this learned scholar, if you will, needed to go back to the roots of the beginning and learn Christ all over again because he said, in order to understand this, I must know the one that is the truth, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, the church that he was in at the time had a a basic uh, position that there are multiple truths Jesus being one. Even though they subscribe to the Bible as the teachings of Christ, they, they still looked at him as one of the many great spiritual truths uh, and leaders of uh, speaking truth. Not the truth, but speaking truth. So they wouldn't argue that the Beatitudes was, was good stuff. They wouldn't argue that, 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 uh, that you know, it was revealing that Jesus was a great teacher. And no wonder they marveled at him. But the reason they were really marveling at him, and they didn't even really understand it at this point, was that he was the truth speaking to them, the things of God. So he could say with absolute authority, this is what you've been taught, this is what people have said, but I say. The truth is a person. I want to just make you know repeat I've already read this to you but uh again the idea of 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 Jesus Christ as the image of God the you know in 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 Colossians chapter 1 he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and visible uh, and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things how many things all things, everything that has been created was created, that exists was created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. In other words, He's existed eternally. He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, uh, in reference to His right to the inheritance and the, and the first and the resurrection, that in everything He might be preeminent. Number one, first without anything else ahead of him. That you know, he is the the the, the picture of, of of you know there is nothing else ahead of him. Okay, anytime we put anything ahead of him, even in, inadvertently, we are falling short. He is absolutely number one. First things, preeminent in all things. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of the cross. What it's speaking of there is the fact that because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we cannot be at peace with God. We cannot be in his presence. 
But through Jesus Christ, the truth, and the way and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. As we come to the Father through Him, God looks at us and, 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 and allows us to approach His throne with confidence in the grace of Jesus Christ. Truth is a person. But I want to go on and read just a couple more verses in, in First Colossians, or First Colossians, Colossians chapter one. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, I don't think Bob would have ever considered prior to his conversion that he had done anything wrong. But he actually apologized from the pulpit. One of the reasons he got fired, ultimately, because he had misled them over a long period of time. They gave him three months and had him out of the pulpit in three weeks and an interim in his place because he started preaching Jesus Christ, the truth, the way, the life. He was alienated just as anybody else was because he was not resting in the truth, Jesus Christ. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Going back to Romans saying that even nature declares that, that, that God is there. I just wanted to, 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 to put together a kind of a summary of, of, of this, this idea of, of truth. Where, you know, the next, over the next 90 days or 100 days or whatever it is, we're going to hear political truth like crazy. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, I, quite candidly, it doesn't matter really what you say about who you say it, you're going to put your foot in your mouth around somebody. Um, and the question is, first and foremost for us as believers, are you looking at the truth, Jesus Christ, first? Before you look at anything else that's going on around you, are you looking at the truth of Jesus Christ? And who he is. What he says. When I hear phrases, you know, that, that go back, you know, uh, clear back into the time of, 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 for me, Kennedy to Johnson to others, you know, read my lips, uh, different kinds of things that people say, believe me. Just Believe me. What are the credentials? We're all fallen. None of us have the answer except Jesus Christ. And at best, we see dimly. And uh, we are in a, a situation that, that as we look at this, we need to focus on, uh, you know, and, and, and think in terms of day to day as you're hearing all the other truths that are out there whether it's online or, or in a book or a self-help book, uh, some people thinking they can walk on coals because they've heard a truth. 
and found out that they got their feet burned. Uh, some other people didn't, though. I don't, you know, how do I explain that? I don't. I don't worry about it. All I know is that there is one truth. He is external, meaning that he doesn't need me to be true. He is true no matter what I think, no matter what you think. And it's the interesting thing is, is that how he has been, you know, how he was pursued because he spoke the truth. He was persecuted because he spoke the truth. It's interesting that he, in one of the most amazing miracles that he did, that he used as a picture of his power over death, was to do what? Raise Lazarus. And after the fact, the, the, the Pharisees not only wanted to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus. And initially I used to think, well, because, you know, uh, he was a reflection of, of, of the fact that, that, you know, Jesus was, was, was who he said was. But if they could kill Lazarus, they could claim and say, see, he died. He died. He died. You know, he may, he, maybe he wasn't dead there, but he's dead now. We can kill him. And somehow point their finger at Jesus and say, see, it, it wasn't real. We have seen all through history those who would do undo truth, if you will, detract from Christ in some way or another, even within the framework of the church. I want to encourage you this morning. Know Jesus Christ. Know Him yourself. And, it, and understand that He alone is the access to God. He alone is the truth. He alone is the way. He alone brings life. When we come to communion, we understand that, that picture about how He did that. How He made peace with God. We should not be able to stand before God at any point, at any time. We have done nothing that allows us to deserve or think we deserve to do that. There is no good enough. We sing some uh, one, of, one of the old hymns. It, it says, if all the possessions of the world were mine, it would be basically insufficient as a gift to, to bring before the throne of God. We can't die for each other. We can't pay the penalty for each other. We can't pay the penalty for our children, although we might willingly do that if we could. Paul says he would have done it for his brothers in the nation of Israel. I believe he was sincere, but there was no way he could. Jesus went to the cross. He poured out his blood. And paid the price. Of sin so that we could be at peace with God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. Ask the ushers to come forward to pass the communion out uh, and hold it until we've all been served and we'll share together.
death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, which is in Christ Jesus, our The night that Jesus shared the meal with his disciples before he was betrayed and then crucified, he'd taken the bread and after giving thanks to it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and he made it very clear that this bread represented the fact that he was the Word come in the flesh to dwell among us. And he asked us that we would see this as his body, his flesh given for us. And as often as we would share in this bread, that we would do so, Remembering that He has come for us. That's what this bread is. It represents the flesh. God in the flesh for us. As awesome as it is to to understand and realize that God incarnate, Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, dwell amongst us, that still wasn't enough. His presence, His teaching, in and of itself, would not save us. It required a sacrifice that only a perfect man could give. That's why He came in the flesh. and He would be the perfect sacrifice. And so He took the cup at the end of the meal and He said, this is My blood that is poured out for you to purchase that covenant. That covenant that is sealed by His words on the cross, it is finished. Nothing else need be added to it to accomplish it now. To rest in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And he asked us as often as we would share this cup that we do it in remembrance of Him until He comes again.
Father, we thank You that we could come together this morning and be reminded both from Your Word and, and, and by sharing communion together that You are the Christ, the Son of God, the Word came flesh, dwelt amongst us. As Paul says, emptied Yourself, became a man to serve us even to the point of death on the cross. You made peace for us. We thank You. Cause us to rest with confidence in You, the truth, and Your Word that explains You to us. We love You. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You that we could come through You before the throne of God with all confidence because of what you have done to ask for God's mercy and grace. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Would you stand as we close?